Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello and welcome to the Familypreneur podcast. You're listening to episode number 51. Today's episode is brought to you by the Familypreneur Shop. Did you know that we have apparel for the whole family? It promotes the Familypreneur mission of empowering families through entrepreneurship. Visit FamilyPreneurShop.com to check out the current selection and keep an eye out for more great products, including books, that are coming soon. Now let's meet today's guest. She is a marketing and business development consultant by day and a self-help vigilante by night. Her alter ego and company name, Activity Girl, was inspired by a Joan Jett in the Blackheart song about a woman committed to helping others. Her career has spanned from inventing a recycled content countertop product in her garage, all while having two small children at the same time, to creating two successful rural wedding venues and writing the only book on how to do that currently available to using her creative and varied experiences to help other businesses grow and be successful. But along the road of entrepreneurship, she's banged her shins on a few hurdles and began to uncover the importance of parenting, mental health, and self-improvement, not only for her as a businesswoman, but also what she needed to know about being an aware parent to her now teenage kids. So by day, she works as the number one cheerleader and coach for small companies around the country, And in her spare time, she's writing and podcasting on One Broken Mom, raising awareness about brain development and childhood experiences and what we need to know about how they shape our kids and the adults they will become. Today, we're excited to be joined by Ami Quiraconi. Hi, Ami. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for asking me to be here. I appreciate it. Oh, I can't wait to dive into this conversation. I operate on a platform of really involving my kids in entrepreneurship. So trying to keep the door open and letting them kind of see what's going on and talking about the ups and downs and things like that. And I love that you bring an alternate point of view into the discussion that having your kids watch you go through some of that stress and that pain is not always a good thing. So that's that's what I'd really love to to hear from you. Would it be the best? To, I think starting with maybe like your origin story, like what discovery that you made that brought all of these things to light? Sure. Well, so I've been an entrepreneur for, see, my son turned 16 this year and I had just started my first business when I was actually pregnant with him. So it's been 16, 17 years. Mm -hmm. And I was getting my master's degree. And in the process of doing that, I developed a way of making a recycled content countertop product out of mixed waste paper, low carbon cement, 
And I had submitted it as a graduate school economics paper and then was like, well, if this is so amazing, why is anybody else doing it? And at the time, I was actually a stay-at-home mom. I wanted to get my master's degree and be able to then balance and fold you know, motherhood into that. So when I started the whole process, I became an entrepreneur and mom almost at the exact same time and had my son for about three years before I ended up then having a daughter with that. And so then there was this, I had to figure out how to do both because I actually enjoyed working. I wasn't the stay-at-home mom that really thrived in that environment. I'm an intellectual person and an academic, and it's not that kids aren't amazing, but when I wanted to be able to learn more and do more, you have to be able to balance both of those things. And so to be the best person that I could be, I needed to find a way that that all worked together. And so the realization over time is, you know, again, it's over the course of 16 years, having a manufacturing business, a consulting business, also um, co-owner and partner in a farm that actually has two wedding venues. And I wrote a book about doing rural wedding venues. So I've had my hands in a lot of different places and I've made a lot of the same kind of like, I wouldn't say mistakes, but certainly the missteps that can come along with what do your kids need to see? And what do your kids actually just need job aside? What do kids need from an emotional development standpoint? And one of the things is that when you run your own businesses, you learn is that it's a very stressful life to have. You Mm -hmm. rise and fall weekly, daily sometimes with, I had to go through the economy crashing when I started my business because my manufacturing business was in building materials. And I started that again, 16, 17 years ago and three years into the business. And we had the recession start 2008, 2009. And that's an incredibly stressful period of time. And and it created a lot of stress on our family. In fact, my kid's dad and I ended up divorcing in the course of all that time. And so you have to really understand that your kids watch everything. And that's good and bad. And so if you're, if you're feeling all that stress and you can't really hide it unless you go into another room and what influence did having my kids? Well, we're figuring that all out right now, but I did, I did put some pieces together for me that said, I want them to learn what it's like to be a small business owner. I know that if they choose to go down this path, it will make them stronger people in that area because they will know everything that goes with it. But then as children, they still need to be children. And there's got to be that, that balance of knowing that sometimes their needs as a kid interferes with your need as a small business owner and an entrepreneur. And I see that with other young moms, you know, I work with a lot with other young women and see them struggling with, you know, my kids throwing temper tantrums. Well, it's, it might be because you're not giving them enough of what they need because you're so busy with your own business and stuff. And so that's a bit of the background. So today I do consulting and I also do my own podcast on about self-improvement, mental health and parenting and that whole bridge of how those things come together. And a lot of that stemmed from being the business owner mom and figuring out life as we go. So so did you have some of those same issues with balance, with trying to balance your, you said your your business and your kids launched right around, launched, we're born, however you want to. Both the same things. (laughs) Right around the same time. How did you handle balance in air quotes? Yeah. So one of the things was the balance between my spouse and I was really tough Mm. because he had the day job and he went and did his thing. And so when he came home at night, I wanted to talk about like my day as mom and what research I had done. And I experimented in the garage with my manufacturing stuff, you know, in the early days and stuff. And so that was really tough for us to find that balance between the two of us for between him wanting to come home and relax after his hard day and me wanting to engage with another adult after sitting home with nobody except my infant son and my computer. 
but it was really helpful to have family involved. And so my in-laws lived nearby and my mother-in-law was an invaluable piece of being able to, to come in to watch when I needed to have a time to be able to focus and to be able to put into the business end of it. And then know I had a reliable, loving childcare provider for my son. But it, when you're consumed, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel this when they start the new business, they are just jazzed up and there's a ton of energy behind it. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be successful, you have to have that fuel and that fire inside of you. Balance can be super hard to do. It's a seven day a week job and you find yourself just kind of following that, staying up late at night, researching something that's really amazing. And you do have to dial yourself back. And so it was, it's been difficult today. It's easier to do mostly because I have been able to learn a lot. And now that I'm being self-employed, I look at all the upsides of, I don't have to do everything every minute of the day, every day of the week, I can still do those things and still go out and do the mom things like tomorrow's school enrollment. Like my whole day is shot when it comes to business. I'm going to spend the day going to the middle school and high school and chasing down whatever I need to do to get the kids set up for another school year and being okay with like, that's the benefit. That's my upside with self-employment. But balance is different from everybody. Some people feel like they need their weekends to feel like they're balanced. And then there are some of us that feel like that's not always the case. Like balance is also, am I, am I fulfilled emotionally with doing all of this work? And if I'm doing it on Sunday, I, I don't feel guilty about it because I have some downtime and I want to do something like this. But am I also still making time to make sure my kids see me, hear me, we connect and talk to each other and I'm there for them. So it'll take time for people to figure out where that teeter-totter actually needs to sit for them in their lives. I like that you pointed that out because I think there are such a variety of different approaches as to how to handle balance. And I think there's a lot of guilt that comes around trying to, or thinking that you have to have the same approach as somebody else. So like I have friends who don't work on the weekends or friends who don't work on Sundays and I tend to work through the weekends, but I'm also adjusting that, like you said, to find what works best for you. And I think it's, it's important to understand and be comfortable with the fact that your balance can look different than someone else's balance and it doesn't make either one of you wrong. Right, right. And a lot of people, they, you know, and I would say a lot of people, I don't want to generalize people, sure. but folks that aren't of the entrepreneurial spirit or are new to it that come from a pretty rigid and structured Monday through Friday, nine to five mentality. And, you know, I've coached business owners or people that want to be entrepreneurs and business owners and let them know that you have to kind of give that up a little bit because you, again, in the early days, entrepreneurship requires all of your energy and passion behind it to get it started. And that means that, that sometimes you don't have the benefit of saying, I'm only going to do this Monday through Friday. And a lot of people actually get out of being their own business owner and self-employment because they still want Monday through Friday. Fridays and they want to know that they've got the security of paychecks and all that other stuff. And if you want any of that, don't start your own business because you'll get none of that for like at least a couple of years. Right. So that's where you're having these debates and people look at you like you're insane because you work all the time. And it's like, I don't plan on doing this all the time, but you also can't explain to somebody that there is magic in having your own business and you're fueled by that. And Mm -hmm. Saturday while you're working doesn't feel like work. It feels like you doing something as exciting as going on a hike or to the lake or whatever other things people might do to fill themselves up with that stimulation and stuff. And that's what makes entrepreneurs special. That definitely does. And not everybody has that feeling, which is why they gladly go work for somebody else. And that's cool for them too. I feel like I see it as an investment. Like you have to invest. Some people invest money, some people invest, but it's, it's investing time. And today, like I'm spending a lot more time in these first years of building my business, but then 
three or four years down the road, it's going to pay off. Like that's Mm -hmm. when it's going to be that life where you're not putting in all those hours. Right, right. Yeah. And going and knowing that it's going to take time. There's always that idea of like, I need it to happen now. And again, that adds to the stress. I mean, we're kind of talking, our topic here is around the stress and, you know, parent stress. And when a parent starts and thinks that within six months, two months, three months, I'm going to start getting a paycheck for it. And then that paycheck doesn't show up then that is that stress that bleeds out into everything. And that's where it it can become toxic in the home. And you have to be mindful of that stress that you're, you know, laying out that your kids are seeing you go through. And money is always a huge piece of that. But if you go into this knowing I need to have, I need to know ahead of time that there's going to be some down periods to this. And what is my contingency Mm. to get there? It's just like any part of business planning. You have to know, listen, this isn't going to probably, and I always tell everybody, take your best guess, educated based Mm -hmm. on your, you know, your numbers and your financials, and then double that because we're, we don't operate a hundred percent efficient. And so even if we've lined out everything, you think it's going to take six months to get to a certain place, plan for a year for it to actually be that long and do that not because you're expecting failure, but just to make sure that you've got that extra buffer in there so that right. you deal with what's going to happen in six months. So many things change. Wiggle room for pivots and unexpected car accidents, things like right. that come up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any from of those experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, and for me, it was like back 10 years ago, the economy changed and yeah. you know, some people saw it coming and some of us saw it, but some of us didn't see it happen part of my story was, is that I, you know, my distributor that I had for my products in 2008, you know, made a six figure offer on my business. And then it wasn't 30 to 60 days later and they were filing for bankruptcy. That's Mm. how fast it changed. And I mean, imagine what that does to a life. That's where it was the beginning of the end and a lot of things back then. And so, yeah, you just, you can't always, not only do you not operate hundred percent efficient, especially as a parent, there's right. a lot that has nothing to do with your business that you have to be ready for. And if you're devoted and have a, your family as a vital piece of it, those unknown factors weigh in there as well. Yeah. There's been multiple times where I've got a deadline and my three-year-old walks in covered in hives and like suddenly priorities have to shift and work has to shift. And if you've got the right clients, they get it <laughs> and things work out in the end, but it's that that delicate line of, of balancing everything. And like you said, with the ups and downs, not having that steady paycheck, that can definitely be stressful. We just went through a slow, and I'm still in my first, I'm in my first 18 months of business, but I'd say my first 12 months of full-time business, if that makes sense, like mm-hmm. my business supporting our family. So we're still learning what some of those trends are going to be. And these slow seasons aren't always predictable. When's the money going to come in heavy and when's it going to come in light? So it's it's a struggle sometimes to to plan for those things. So I can definitely relate to the stress that we're talking about here. Yeah. So what I'd love to know is from your perspective, how do we determine how much to let our kids in on and where those boundaries lie? Yeah. I think, you know, one of the biggest thing is your kids will probably let you know if you've gone too far. I mean, mm. so you're looking for their behavior. And one of the things like, I, you know, I use an example when you're sitting there, like, for example, I don't know if you're going to hear this or not, but there's like three 13 year old girls running around my house that I had to like <laughs> say, listen, mom's going to be on an interview at noon. Like you guys have to like keep it. And I can still hear them like banging around out there and they're easier to do at 13. But when they were little and younger, 
they will let you know when they need something. Their behavior dictates whether or not you've gone too far. They will become more agitated. The younger ones will throw a temper tantrum. And that can be frustrating, especially if you're a work at home entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But they will start to feel needy to you and respond to you in that way. If they are happy-go-lucky and moving along, then you really haven't crossed that threshold. And whether or not there's a line that you know about, there is no line. You just have to get there and go, whoops, that was the line I need to dial back there. But you know, my daughter recognized like with her, she wasn't as into the manufacturing business part of it. My son was, I mean, he loved to actually be down at the shop and, you know, see what was going on and, and help out and stuff like that. And, and that was cool. But bringing Reese down there was like a no go. And she would show by just being frustrated and wiggly or, you know, whatever was, was happening. But kids do a pretty good job of expressing their needs because that is a part of their emotional development as they're growing up, as they, they move along in life, they have their independence. And then if you've gone too far, they'll let you know. And by too far, the other thing is, as they get older is the danger of feeling like you're foisting your job onto them. They're not little employees. They're not little adults. So you also want to be mindful of their own autonomy. And so if you're integrating them into the business and they're resisting it, you can't keep continuing to push that because that's sending a message to them that their needs don't matter. And you're doing it because you're like, I want you to learn. And it's like, right. well, they're student learning, then stop. You know, they don't have to know everything. They're still watching you. You're still modeling for them what it's like to be a business owner and what it is to be a woman business owner. Perhaps they still see all of that stuff, but they don't need to have their hands in it with you. And if they don't want their hands in it with you, you have to be respectful and they'll tell you. I mean, if they don't even directly tell you, they'll show you. And I recently... I mean, I have to credit where credit is due. I recently interviewed Pat Flynn and we talked about something similar. And I asked him a question about if kids aren't interested. So his recommendation is along those same lines, don't push it. You know, it's not about you, but also pivot your thinking to see if there's a way that they would be more willing to be involved. Mm -hmm. Like if, if they're showing interest in things like graphic design, maybe she would be interested in making some images for you on Canva. So I kind of like that thrown in there too, that it could just be that what you're at, like you want to teach them, you want to foster those skills, which is a big passion of mine, but you have to be willing to do it in their way, like in a way that they're going to be excited about. So taking that approach too. Yeah. Yeah. And the balance between that is they have to show the interest. They get to a place where they want to show the interest and then you introduce it to them. And if they don't show the interest, then don't keep pushing them because you want them to do it. And that's where it's at. Like I said, my son was super interested in the work. And so when he came down, you know, and I had to go and pick him up from school and bring him down for like an hour to finish the day with me because I had a manufacturing facility and I had employees and we had a production schedule. Mm -hmm. And so in the early days of that, he would come in and it was like, let's make a space. And he'd want to like help out with folding up sample boxes, just little white boxes that we had tucked our samples into putting labels and stickers. I mean, he felt like that was something that he actually had fun doing. And if he didn't have an interest in it, great. Then he didn't do it. My daughter definitely has taken away different things from the business. While she wasn't as into like the hands-on pieces of it, she definitely watched and I would see it come out in like science fairs and her doing her own Mm. presentations. Like she drew from it different pieces of it than he did. He wanted the hands-on stuff. And then she really saw the soft skills, the salesmanship parts of it and stuff. But yeah, I didn't, you know, occasionally because we had a farm with the wedding businesses, they did have to come out and help because chores and, you know, that's farm life there. But I, you know, I did stop making it 
a job for them. You know, I had grown up with a job in my life and that kind of made me a really hard worker. But at the same time, it made me mindful of the fact that not all of it was rosy. And I resented a lot of that being put there. And I don't want that kind of feeling for the kids to feel like at the end of the day, it was just all about what we had to do as a family and not about what they were interested in or loved or had passion for and stuff like that. And that, because that's a ripple effect through the rest of their life of what their childhood was like and whether or not anybody really cared what they thought and how they felt and whether or not we give it to them as parents. So what kind of job did you have as a kid? Were your parents entrepreneurial or was it an actual, like you just got a job? My mother was entrepreneurial, but my job was, I was the oldest And so my job was taking care of all the younger brothers and how that morphed was, is that when I opened up a shop, I inadvertently, but yet not surprisingly hired a shop full of young men that were very much like my younger brothers. I just, that was my model. And that's how I, you know, I ran life for a while. And then I also, we didn't have a lot of financial resources. My mom bounced from job to job. So if I wanted things, I actually had to work. So I took babysitting jobs when I could, and I had time and I wasn't doing babysitting for my own family. And when I was 14, I got my first job at like Baskin Robbins or an ice cream shop. So, you know, I'm used to working like all the time. Like that just is how I was brought up was always go, go, go. But it was, yeah, I, I worked through college. Some point I had, I was tutoring. I had a job at an engineering firm and then I was going to school full time. So I've been a, a hard worker, like for as long as I can actually remember just from everything to just keeping myself busy and going to actually wanting to have money to buy a magazine or makeup like every other 12 year old, 13 year old girl. Sure. Well, yeah. I relate so much to that story. It's so interesting to hear you tell it. Cause I feel like I have a very similar story as well. So how many siblings do you have? How many little brothers? I have three younger brothers. Okay. Yeah. And I, I have four kids myself. So I'm just curious about this whole process. I love yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> Given your experience as a child and trying to provide a better life for your kids now, how do you think that's affecting your kids? Now is a lot different than when I started because of knowing so much more about what I needed to do and kind of the improvements that I needed to make. You know, I had some challenges in parenting because of my own growing up and my own experiences. And, and those are things that I'm, I'm pretty candid about on my own show. But today with the kids, it is a matter of letting them see what it's like, but also knowing that I can't scare them. We have to have candid conversations about finances because I, you know, being self-employed in particular as a consultant, you don't have the benefit of that paycheck every two weeks, unless you've got a long-term client that, you know, is coming in and you've got a lifelong contract with them. And so when they want things, it's kind of like, well, this isn't the week we get anything, (laughs) you know, Uh, it's because what we also want is to pay the bills and to have food and, you know, and all that other stuff. But you can't do that in a way that is intended to scare them, that forcing that fear in order to get them to comply with you or to understand what you're doing, it may get them to stop asking questions, but there's that underlying thing that it's doing to them, which is creating anxiety in them Mm -hmm. over life is anxious all the time. And that, that long-term anxiety and that exposure to that, to them as children, even through teens is what creates, you know, in a lot of adults anxiety for the rest of their life. So when I know that that's something that I need to like kind of shelter them from, it means that I don't open my mouth and talk about every hardship that I'm having with the job or the clients or anything like that. You keep it a very practical conversation, but you keep all the, you don't say, you know, we just don't have any money right now. You have to stop bothering. You know, you just, you have to really temper and tone yourself differently because you don't want them to be afraid. That's really kind of like the big thing is like, it's scary 
owning a job and running it. You know that. But your kids cannot feel that fear with you. And that means you have to be mindful of making sure you're not displacing that out there in everything that you do, storming around and talking about how there just isn't enough for anybody. One of the things that I grew up with kind of having that mindset or being around that kind of environment for me was this long-term feeling of scarcity. And that's one of the things that I work on with myself is you grow up thinking there's never enough. And even if there is plenty out there, having that drummed into your head on a regular basis, it becomes a part of your neural pathways. It becomes a mindset that is not just something you've heard, but it actually became a piece of the way your brain formed. Your brain formed under the condition that there's never enough. We always have to be worried about things. And believe it or not, those are the lingering things that when adults are dealing with that kind of mindset or they deal with anxiety, it's because of what was that around them. And that's why the entrepreneurial life is amazing, but also dangerous at the same time in terms of how much of that you end up unintentionally showcasing to your kids and modeling to your kids. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a delicate balance because I feel like I'm trying so hard. My kids are younger than yours. So my oldest is 10. She's almost 11. So just using her as an example, I'm trying really hard to teach her those financial skills. Mm -hmm. So like, I want her to know the basics, right? Like she wants a sweatshirt at the mall and I need her to understand the value of the sweatshirt and what goes into it. So sometimes we found really creative ways, I think, of helping to instill that where we'll talk about like hourly wage and then how long she would have to work to be able to afford Mm -hmm. the shirt. Not that we pay her an hourly wage, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Right, right, right. No, and those are great lessons. So don't think that that's not. It's But at uh, the same time, she then just the other day, they went on a field trip for camp and I want her to to really think about again the value. So like they were they were going on this field trip and it was twenty dollars, which given the other field trips, like that was really expensive. So it's like I just want you to understand what you're getting for twenty dollars. And if you want it, here's twenty bucks. Like we have it. Yeah. And she's like, Ooh, twenty dollars is a lot. I think I shouldn't do it. And it's like I don't want her to feel held back. By the feeling of scarcity, by the feeling that that we don't have enough money to allow all four of my kids to go on the $20 field trip because she knows that's $80. And she, mm-hmm. she knows that there's four kids. So she knows that any expense is times four. And so it, I feel like I walk that line all the time. Yeah. I would say, you know, part of that, you know, how do we handle that in business? We handle that by budgeting. So when somebody hits us up with an unintended expense, you're like, hey, buy my advertising. You sit there and go, well, it's not in my budget. This is what I've actually allocated. So that way, you know that you've got, you're able to teach them a skill to predict what could be coming. And part of that is, is, well, let's see and talk about like, we may have like a slush fund to pick up all those things. And if it fits in the slush fund, then there's no scarcity. There's plenty of it there to go around and stuff. I think those are still, to me, those are still incredibly valuable conversations. I think what you're doing is great for that. The difference is, is we don't have enough money. We can't do that right now. And having no explanation behind it and having it come off in a way where it's just like, stop asking me. We don't have it because that's a stress signal to the kid. They feel it in you. They hear it in your voice. They feel bad for asking. And then that creates that constant. That's the way you address money all the time is we don't have enough and there isn't anything there. Stop asking me about it. Or, and then it's feast or famine. We've got tons of money. Everybody we're going for ice cream and, and there's no responsible discussion on what we're doing to plan for it. I felt like growing up, it was paycheck to paycheck. And so, like I said, honestly, having been a business owner and running all businesses, it's really funny how the business mind can also still conflict with the personal, mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I have to remember that 
we're all doing all these things. We're budgeting all this all out. It all works out in the end, but there is that trigger because you've had it in your brain over and over again. And it was delivered in such a way where it just made you afraid that you don't want to do that. I think what you're doing is, is great, but she, she's clearly processing that, you know, in a way. And that's why I would say, well, I would sit there and go, do we have a budget? And does it work? Like, here's your 50 bucks for the month. And tell me what you think you're going to end up doing this month with the money and let them think ahead. Now at 10, long range planning is not their thing. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so good luck with that one. And even in high school, it's still not going to be a great asset, but the language and the discussion there is important for that. So when it becomes something that clicks for her, it'll be like, she'll have a better mastery of it than never having talked about it at all. Well, I'm glad you broke that down. I'm glad you broke down the extremes one way or another that clarified things for me. Cause I, like I said, it's, I started to worry like, Oh, maybe, maybe I'm doing things wrong. Like me, I don't want her to be anxious over money, but I want her to be informed and aware. Yeah. Right. And again, you know, think about age appropriateness too. I mean, again, kids at that age are still incredibly emotional. And so making sure that you're not tapping into the fear emotion about mm-hmm. it so that money and balance and budgeting isn't always something that's scary to do. And they think about adults that feel frightened by the bills. They don't open the bills up and they don't want to look at them. They don't even know how, I mean, the money is there, but they just can't get themselves motivated to handle it. And to be honest, there's a lot of businesses that fail on the financial end of it from that kind of mindset. They have a great product, great idea, but they can't keep up with the finances. And I run into a lot of businesses that are like that, where it's all about the doing the work, but not keeping mindful of what's going on. And so as a business coach, I'm part therapist, part business expert with them. And when you start talking about, well, let's talk about life. Let's talk about where did you learn about these kinds of things? And you can usually needle into some sort of child experiences and the models that they had for them. And went out and did a great, wanted to be an entrepreneur, and but didn't get the right modeling and the right language around money to make them feel like they could be successful with those pieces at it and confident to be able to handle it. Wow. That's been a lot, a lot of really good information. Now, do you do a lot with financial coaching? A little bit when it's the business. Yeah. And I do it in the sense that sometimes with my clients, I have to sit them down right away and talk about like, you know, mapping out if they've already started up our startup costs are kind of done for, but a lot of my clients come to me and they want to know pricing. Like, what should I charge for this? And it's like, well, we got to figure out how much it costs and making it as even your services that you do. Like you're providing a service and what is your overhead and getting them to figure that out. So I don't do like, I'm not an accounting person or sure. you know, anything like that. But yeah, when I talk to people about marketing their business, I write up front is like, you know, marketing can add a lot of fuel to a fire, but it can also engulf you. Like if you aren't financially stable and understand how to manage the cost to it, getting more sales might end up causing more problems for you because it's a tiny, small problem and magnifies it into a really big one. So I do touch on that because I've had all this experience with being an entrepreneur myself and running my own businesses that it sometimes has to be like a starting point. And so with you know some of my clients, it is the starting point, sitting them down and showing them how to break out like a cash flow worksheet. Let's look this up. And, and like you're discovering, you know, 12 months is usually not enough. You, you won't see everything in 12 months. You'll have to. And one of my mantras with people is, you know, some experience you can buy and then some you have to earn. Depending on the industry, you're just going to have to earn a year or two of experience so that you become a better master of what it is that you're doing and an understanding of how your market and your product fits into it and how it behaves. Yeah, it's definitely not... I don't want to make it seem like it looks easy necessarily, but I feel like it looks easier than it is. The whole idea of starting a business, actually figuring it out has been a roller coaster ride. So. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And that comes with it. And again, it goes back to, 
I think one of my instructors, when I was getting my master's degree, worked for a bank and Mm -hmm. they provided loans to small businesses. They were like a small community bank. And he had said in his classes that one of the best determining factors on whether or not somebody would default on their loan was whether or not they grew up in a family of self-employed parents or entrepreneurs. Because if they did, they actually didn't default on their loan as often as somebody who didn't have that model. So there is a huge benefit to your kids seeing that piece of it and watching you show how that can be done in a great way. But most importantly, the emotional struggle that goes with it, because some people are surprised by the life of the entrepreneur and they get into it and realize this is hard. Like I said, they wanted their paycheck within three months and it probably should have been six months to a year before they got it. And so they bail fast. And that means they bail on everything, the credit cards, the loans, the, they close the business, you know, the restaurants done and all that other stuff before they ever got through it because they never, they never felt or experienced or understood that they were going to have to stomach some lows, some Mm -hmm. scary, scary pieces of it, and to know how to claw back up through it so that they could maybe fall again. And that's just, that is a piece of it. It's a, it's a sickening ride for the like, you know, while, but it, if you know how to pivot, you use that word a lot. Um, Ninja is another term that I've used. You've got to be a ninja. You've got to be able to dart, dive, jump, hide, whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you need to do for the minute to get through that. And if that's just not your personality, then it's not, it's not the life to get into because it's, it's not easy. I feel like it's a lot like being a parent. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. There is no, no textbook for parenting either. And businesses, at least there's like a million books and there are some textbooks for parenting, but in the end your kid shows up and it is its own individual human being. And you have to figure out what they need from you the the best that you can. And like I said, when it comes to business, that is if they're in it and they're with you and they love every minute of it, go with it. And then the moment they don't then back off and let them do their thing and let them, you know, integrate with you that in a way they want to be able to do that. And I think normally, I mean, I'm speaking with very young children, but I think normally they come back around. Yeah. Their needs and their interests change and Mm -hmm. your business is developing in a different way too. So they will, they'll definitely, you know, kind of poke back in and want to see what's up and stuff. My son actually, even though we started together with manufacturing in the last year, because I was doing more marketing business, he actually was like, oh, that actually looks pretty interesting. So in high school, he took graphic design classes. He took a DECA class for marketing to see if that was something that interested him. It was nothing I ever, and I said, hey, if you ever want to work with me, if you want to do a, help me out with teaching him a website or design and stuff like that, that option was open to him, but I didn't mm-hmm. force him to work for me to do that. That was the big difference there because after he got into it, he's like, okay, it's interesting, but I like cars more cool, go ahead, (laughs) you know, go do your car thing. And like I said, my daughter, she's just at that age where she's watching. She definitely sees everything that's going on and she's mindful of what the business is, but she hasn't stepped forward saying that she wants to do anything with it. And I want her to feel like that's a great choice for her as well. And if she decides she wants to do something like what I'm doing, I'll help her. But if she wants to just not do it, that's totally cool with me too. And I had the same dreams. Like when I, when I have my farm business, I thought, oh, I'm going to pass it down to my kids. But it's like, man, that's kind of a burden sometimes that we don't think about, like having kids feel like they have to follow in the family business. And, you know, how many times do you see that from people that do it out of necessity and put their own dreams on hold because they've been put into a track that they didn't really choose? And I think that that's the other piece of this is Mm -hmm. building for your children to take your business might not be the best idea. Don't build your business for them to take over unless they actually want it. Like build it so that they watch you and so that they can build their own business for themselves and show them how that can be done and and help them with how that can be done. No, that's great. And I've not, I don't think I've ever articulated it like that, but that's exactly 
what we're trying to go for. Like by no means am I thinking my kids will ever take over what I'm doing. Now, maybe they will, who knows, Mm -hmm. but I'm more just trying to encourage them to just realize that they can do anything. You know, it's more that general concept of you really can be whatever you want to be. And if that thing doesn't exist, you can make it into existence. Like infinite paths are available for you. You just have to pay that. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too, is to keep in mind, depending on the disposition and the emotional posturing of the kid that you have, they may never want to be an entrepreneur because they've seen everything. You know what I mean? And they're like, no, thanks. Like, I'd rather have my weekends. Like I'm okay with working this job from Monday through Friday, as long as I found the one that really excites me, but I want to be able to have that balance in there. And that's totally cool too. I mean, there's definitely something appealing about punching a clock, walking out the door and not having having health insurance paid for. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've had jobs that were like that. I mean, I've also had jobs that weren't like that mm-hmm. where you, you don't really ever leave psychologically or, or whatever the case may be. But yeah, I've yeah. worked jobs where you go, you do your job, you go home and then you don't have to think about it. And there is, there is something appealing about that. But I think that those of us who are knee deep in entrepreneurship, like there's just that creative or place of service, like you just want to do more. So I, yeah. I think that even if I had a job like that, I think I'd be building a side hustle always. So, well, this is great. Can you tell me more about your podcast? Sure. I'd love to. So One Broken Mom, I started it because again, I I had gone through a huge metamorphosis, just not only from just as a personal development thing, but really from a parenting perspective. And a lot of that was really being getting to a point of respecting how much childhood influences us as adults Mm -hmm. and our experiences. And for me, you know, we all hear about like, if you feeling like you've got some emotional congestion, let's call it that, because nobody wants to talk about having a disorder or mental health issue or anything like that. Those all have like negative connotations to it. And as a result, that stigma is out there. So nobody wants to talk about it. And one of the things that people, they don't want to say, like, I might get benefit from seeing a therapist, but I don't want anybody to think that I'm crazy. So when you say, well, maybe the reason you feel this way, like maybe anxiety and scarcity is something how you approach business and life is because that was the environment you grew up in. People don't believe that that's actually the case. And some people don't believe that's the case because a lot of people carry the mindset that our brain came out of the box ready to go. Like it was an Ikea thing. All you had to do is just put a couple of screws in and you're ready and off. And so if you're having problems as an adult, it's likely just because you were born with this defective brain. And then that's why we don't want to admit to anybody that, oh my gosh, I got the bad model. Like I didn't get the good one. And I don't want anybody to know that I've got that. Well, for me, what happened was, is, is I was going through a divorce and with a business partner and my romantic partner, I finally landed on what I needed as a, as the way my brain works. And that was neuroscience and biology that confirmed. And a lot of that information that has been found through research mm-hmm. is only in the last like 20 years. And so it's actually really new. When I think about the fact that 17 years ago, I had a, I was pregnant having a kid. That was when some of this information was actually coming out about what is toxic stress What does it do to brain development and brain architecture? How does that then um, create the neural pathways that as an adult, you have to figure out how to change what is neuroplasticity and all these really amazing things. And when all the science started to kind of like fill in and and land in there, I then realized, oh my gosh, now I'm a parent and I've got kids. And I need to make sure that their neural development is happening in a way that will not put them in a path to be me as an adult sitting there going, man, I really wish I didn't keep meeting the same wrong guys over and over again, (laughs) you know, and I wish I was doing, you know, better things. And so one broken mom is me having these very candid, casual conversations with experts 
it's imagine it's a couple of people grabbing a beer and sitting down and having a one-on-one about mental wellness and what we need to know about parenting. And so that we learn what we can do today. If we have that two foot, one foot's parent, one foot's ourselves, how we can be better, happier people by understanding more about what parenting affects had to do with us. And then also how to not repeat those mistakes because Mm. breaking the chain is the big thing. Your self-awareness allows you to then know what it is that you need to stop doing or maybe improve upon so that you can actually start doing a better job of tuning into your kids. And so that's where my mission. So I tell everybody, I'm like, I'm a marketing superhero by day and a self-help vigilante at night. So my, <laughs> you know, my side hustle is actually getting this message out and bringing in people to therapists, researchers. I also profile other broken moms. And I don't mean that in the victim shaming sure. kind of a way. It's just like you get a mom on there that is like, yeah, so this is what I went through and this is my struggle because that struggle was going to resonate with another person that struggles. And I'm pretty transparent. I'm not one of the types of people that soft pedals my life. If, you know, if I've gone through it, if I've made some mistakes, I'll admit them because somebody needs to admit that they're not perfect so that other people feel safety and knowing that they don't have to hide and feel like they're the only person that, you know, messed their kids up this week. You know, we've all done that and we've all been doing our best and that that's the idea. And so my message is always that we're all doing our best and we're all trying to get better at this. And this isn't about putting blame or blaming our parents for what they did or didn't do. They didn't know any better either, but it's like, we need to stop worrying about that and at least start talking about the facts of what we need to do. So. I love that. I think that's totally needed. I can't remember who said it, but I had someone on the show recently who said hurt people hurt people. Yeah, totally. And it's one of those things that almost you can't control how you were raised. It's going to come out in how you how you show up every day, but you can do better today than you did yesterday. And it's that constant doing better. Yeah, right. And you know, the thing about an entrepreneurial attitude is that the drive, I know for me personally, so I'm not making a generalization with everybody else, but I know for me personally, a lot of my drive to do my own thing had to do with growing up at times and not being seen and not being heard. Mm. And so I was motivated to show that I could do something. So that's that line in there of figure out what drives you and why you're passionate about pursuing this and make sure that you've got steady, solid ground behind that, that you're not, because you can get too consumed by the pursuit of the job and do to your kids exactly what happened to you that caused you to become this person pursuing this thing. And like I said, it's that self-awareness is really key. And that's how you end up really pulling this together with being a self-employed business owner and having parents is to make sure that you get why you do it. And I'm okay with who I am. Mm -hmm. I do see a therapist when I told her, I said, I want to fix all the parts of me that need to be rehealed, but I don't want to lose my passion to do cool things and to help other people. And the message was, is, well, we get you to the place of where you're doing it because you want to, not because you feel you need to. And sometimes as the entrepreneur, you push yourself really hard because you feel like you need to prove it. And you really don't need to. And that's a piece of that finding where that balance is for you. Sometimes you go, yeah, I know I can actually take Sunday off. I don't need to do this. I'm working because I want to, but I don't have that anxiety inside of me that I have to do it. I have to do it. I have to do Mm -hmm. it because that stuff is the kind of things that will bleed out into the rest of the family and stuff like that. So if you do the entrepreneurial path, they always say, make sure, be mindful. You have to look inward a lot more than the average person who shows up Monday through Friday and collects a paycheck. I don't say a lot of self-awareness is necessary for that, but not as much as the entrepreneur mindset. For sure. 
So where can everybody find you? So One Broken Mom is out there on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. I also have a website, amiqueercone.com. And I'm sure you'll have some notes. So if you don't have to worry about it, it's Q-U-I-R-I-C-O-N-I, but we all have notes so that you can figure yeah, that yeah. one out. <laughs> Um, I'm not so going to make anybody spell it out. Like, they I never do right either. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> so my website is actually a written blog as well as links to the podcast and YouTube. And I do writing. And that's been one of my passions too, is always being, I always wanted to be a writer and never was pushed in that area. And now I'm kind of coming back full circle to doing that. And so I do like to write about personal experiences and blending personal experience with, you know, knowledge and education again around self-improvement, relationships, parenting, and the ups and downs that come along with all of that. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to, to be with us today and for sharing so much information. Definitely a lot of food for thought. And I love having somebody kind of challenge you know what I mean? Like you, it's still aligned with what I'm doing, but challenging it just a little bit to make sure that you're on the right path. So I really enjoyed this. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for asking me, Meg. Awesome. You'll find all the links mentioned in this week's episode, plus the show notes at megbrunson.com slash 51. Last week, we welcomed Catherine Morehouse to the show. Catherine is my personal go-to Pinterest expert, and we collaborated on my Intro to Social course together which is found at introtosocial.com. On this episode, Catherine provides a ton of tips for leveraging Pinterest as a part of your business marketing strategy. Her journey has been heavily influenced by family entrepreneurship, and she even talks about how she and her entrepreneurial husband recently managed an international move with just one laptop. Catherine is such a delight, and the episode was both fun and packed full of value. Next week... You know, when there's something on your to-do list, it's a big, juicy goal, and it's so big that it feels impossible, it might stress you out, or you might be a little afraid, you know, that you, you don't have what it takes to pull it off. So instead, you put it off. Well, our guest next week works with you to map out your vision and guide you through the process so you stay out of overwhelm and in action, confident, on top of your game, and wondering what else is possible. She's a mom to 18. You heard me right. A mom to 18 kiddos, a published author, a podcaster, a public speaker, a minimalist, a healthy life enthusiast, a wannabe YouTuber, and she enjoys trading Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And she's jonesing to do more traveling too. You're not going to want to miss meeting Jen Taylor next week. She's got so much to share with us. It was amazing. Have a great week, you guys, and I will see you soon. Bye. Do us a favor. Share this podcast to a friend. It's like my mom always says, sharing is caring. <laughs>